What's up? What's up? How y'all doing? Y'all awake? Yeah? Doing well? Y'all, your sports teams win? That's about as specific as I can get. I'm not a big sports fan, so go sports teams, do good things, and get the points, right? So I hope that they did all the points and got all the championships yesterday and whenever they do it. So um, the video we just watched um, was from our trip uh, that we call Fall Charge, which happened last weekend. I'm still trying to catch up on rest, and I'm, I'm, I'm failing at that, uh, which is good because we're talking about failure today. Uh, but um, we had a blast. We went to Look Up Lodge, which is just right up the road. Uh, we did all the fun stuff that you saw on the video, and yes, the water was cold, but it was worth it. That was a zip line. How often do you get to go on a zip line? Am I right? You can go with a little cold, you get to go on a zip line. Uh, but, but more importantly, most importantly, we learned about God's redeeming work uh, for us, his children, through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it was awesome. We had four amazing sessions of worship and studying scripture, followed by four awesome sessions of, of life group sessions, where we just kind of broke into smaller groups, shared life together, bore each other's burdens, and just grew closer to God and closer to each other. And so overall, I'd say it was a pretty awesome weekend. If you went, do you agree? You thought it was a pretty good weekend? Yeah, I like it. They're loud. I'm just going to warn you guys, they're loud. So um, it was a pretty great weekend. Uh, our trips, we do our best to make them unforgettable, and we try and do the same thing on Wednesday nights too. So if you've got a 6th through 12th grader and they aren't coming to Link, uh, bring them this week. We're having a Halloween party. We like to have fun, but most importantly, we like to worship Jesus and grow closer to him. And so uh, if, if you have a 6th through 12th grader that's not coming to Link, bring them with them. You come, worship with us. It's, we always have a blast. So uh, like the screen says, my name is Ben Patat. I'm the creative arts and student pastor here at Freedom Fellowship, and I'm really excited to be speaking to you guys this morning. They don't let me out of my cage a whole lot, and so whenever I get to come and speak to you guys, it's, it's a pleasure. Um, uh, we're actually going to be wrapping up this series, Interact. Has anybody enjoyed this series, learned something from this series, been encouraged by this series in some way? Yeah, cool, I like it, I like it. Um, we've been looking at this series called Interact and looking at how we can get on the same page with God in our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. And so in previous weeks, we've talked about some crucial steps of how to do that. We've talked about, uh, we've said that getting on the same page with God means learning to cry out to God. We said it means learning to listen to God, learning how to ask for the right things from God, key, key phrase being right things, right? Not asking for the red Corvette that you want just because it looks good, right? But asking for the right things. And then last, a uh, uh, couple weeks ago, we talked about uh, allowing God to change your heart. And so um, for us to, this morning, I want to wrap this series up um, where we've been looking in Samuel, in the book of 1 Samuel, at the life of the prophet and judge Samuel by telling you this, okay? So this has been our goal. We're trying to get on the same page with God. So as brothers and sisters in Christ, right, that make up the church, like the capital C church, Freedom Fellowship Church, but also capital C big church across the world, brothers and sisters in Christ that make up the body of the church, to get on the same page with God, right, to grow close to him so that his desires become our desires, his mission becomes our mission. Uh, it's absolutely a goal of the series, also one of the goals, the many goals of Freedom Fellowship as a church. It's a great thing, and I want you guys to know this, we are going to fail at it, right? 
bummer, right? You just kick it right out of the gate, bummer. We're going to fail at it. We are going to fail at it. But here's the thing. I'm not talking about end of the semester, you failed your class, and that's it, walking away. You know, you, you're just done. I'm talking about uh, there are going to be a lot of times as believers in our life where we're seeking to grow in our faith, right, to obey God, to fulfill his will for our lives, and our attempts at that are just going to be a swing and a miss. You see the difference there? It's just like, an, like a, just a moment of failure. Uh, when I was younger, I was a competitive swimmer. All right, that sounds super legit, doesn't it? Uh, so I was a competitive swimmer. What that means is I was on a swim team uh, when I was like a uh, fifth grader, you know, and so I, I swam. It was fun. Um, it sounds super legit when you say it's a co- competitive swimmer. So I swam for uh, several years. Um, my wife, when I told her I wanted to use this illustration, she said, you cheated and this is, don't let this distract you, but because you have a webbed toe, I have one webbed toe, which is super weird. Don't come up to me afterwards and say, hey, can I see your foot? I'm not going to show it to you. But I think that that might have made me a faster swimmer, but I swam for several years. Uh, I got better and better at swimming. Uh, I didn't win every race, but I, I ran a, a, a good many, or not ran, I won a good many. Um, I succeeded at, at a good many of those races, uh, but there's one specific race that sticks out in my mind more so than any of the other races, okay? Um, there's, I was doing this event that was called I Am, which if you know anything about swimming, it is the devil's event, just so you know. What it is, is it's where you do a couple of laps of each of the four main strokes that you use for racing. So let me go through the strokes with you. you know, anybody, everybody know freestyle stroke? Right? If you've seen the movie Jaws, everybody's doing freestyle, freestyle stroke to get away from Jaws. Much faster than doggy paddling. Um, as long as you swim faster than the guy beside you, Jaws is going to get him and not you. Right? So freestyle stroke. Then you have um, breaststroke, which is this move right here. Kind of like a frog. Your, fr- your legs are doing froggy legs. You can laugh at me. It's okay. People laugh at me all the time. Uh, backstroke, which is this guy. You're on your back just chilling. You're like drinking, sipping on a juice or something like that. Just going down the thing. And then the devil's stroke which is called butterfly. Anybody know what butterfly looks like? Uh, if, if you are not a professional, like Olympic swimmer, what butterfly looks like is like you're just drowning it, okay? Because just like you're just like spraying water all over the place, and it's just, and you're like trying to like heave your body out of the water to just gasp for air, and literally that's the face you make is when you get out of water, you're just like, and then like, you just look like you're drowning, like someone's like, someone uh, needs to come and help you. Uh, so that's why I think it's, it's, it's the devil's stroke. That's what I called it. Uh, so anyway, so I have to do two laps of each of these strokes, okay? And for some reason, in this, in this race, for some reason, that day, in that moment, something clicked in my brain, and I was like, I'm going to destroy this race, right? Adrenaline kicked in before I even got up on the stand, and I was just like, there's something in me. The Hulk is coming out, and I am going to, like, literally be done before they like fire the little cap gun okay i'm just like i'm going to kill this race and so um i i can't explain it for some reason it was before you even started it's like i'm going to destroy this race and so we start the race and i'm swimming and uh i am destroying i am killing it uh i get through my first stroke which is the devil stroke right i get through butterfly um the worst of them all i'm killing it uh i go on to backstroke uh get through the two laps of that i'm killing it i get on to breaststroke Right, which is a nice, easy, like relaxing stroke. And again, I'm killing it. Literally, at this point, I'm like a, a lap ahead of everybody. So I was doing so very, very well. And then I turned on my second lap of breaststroke, and my body uh, 
just, my body's like, okay, hey, uh, attention, Ben, we need to stop right now, okay? We need to stop right now. And so I'm like, okay, in, I'm still swimming, still swimming, uh, having this internal struggle in my brain that's like, okay, first off, if we stop, I sink. So no. Second off, I'm killing it. We're not stopping. I'm going to destroy everybody in this pool right now. So we're not stopping. And so my body uh, retorts to that and says, okay, uh, if you're not going to stop me, I'll stop you. Has anybody ever had that happen? That is a scary, scary thing. When your brain takes over uh, because, oh, nice voice crack. When your brain takes over and it's just like, okay, uh, I'll just send you into panic mode. So my brain took over in the fashion of you can't breathe, you're going to die. Okay, and uh, and it did take over. It, it won the fight at that moment. And so that made me panic. I literally go from swimming to just treading water and looking like a cat that you threw in the pool. You know, and just like my I have the wide eye like dead fish look like I'm something bad is happening, you know. And so. I go from being so far ahead to being so far behind to literally, uh, I end up putting my feet down on the bottom of the pool, which is a disqualifier, like, in the moment. So I disqualify myself. And I remember that race in particular because I was so upset and so frustrated with myself for having been so far ahead and then uh, being, having this panic moment, having this, this slip in my ability and my performance, and then it just literally disqualifying me. And I remember being so frustrated when I got out of the pool. Uh, I, and because I had failed, right? I had failed. And you might think, Ben, that's kind of harsh. You don't, you know, you should be a little more gentle on yourself. But if you think about it, my goal had been to win. My goal had been to destroy, if you remember. Uh, and I had, I had not, not only had not finished or gotten second or third, I had disqualified myself. So by definition, I had failed. Um, if you've got your Bibles, Turn with me to 1 Samuel 12, and we're going to read verses 13 through 25, and then I want to just pray for us in our time together this morning, and, and then um, I just got some stuff in, from this passage I want us to, to pull out for us, um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that today, uh, I, I know that if you're listening, if you only hear parts, you might be bummed out, but if you're listening, today is going to be so encouraging for us. And so my prayer is that God is just going to open our eyes and our ears and, and use this time to, to show us who he is, how he loves us, and then change the way that we uh, pursue and love him, okay? So let's read 1 Samuel uh, 12, 13 through 25, and we're going to start in verse 13, and I'm going to pray for us. So it says this, And now behold the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked. Behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now therefore stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for us, pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. 
For we have added to all our sins this evil, to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. For you have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will forsake, for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased, pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you, if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Let's pray. Father God, as we gather together in this place, as we've been worshiping you and, and singing songs to your praises, and I just pray that right now in this moment, as we have opened your word and read it together, that you would speak through it to us, that you would speak through me uh, to us in this place this morning, that, you, that we would have open eyes and open ears and open hearts, and that this place would be free from distractions and that we could just focus in on what you're teaching us this pl- in this place this morning and that you would move in us. It's in your son's name we pray. All right, so here's what this passage is, okay? Just kind of a recap. Here's what this passage is. Israel, okay, the, the people of Israel, the Israelites, uh, had convinced itself that even though they are loved and led by God, the creator of the universe, the ultimate king, the king of kings, that for some reason they needed a human king to lead them like all the other people groups around them, okay? They're convinced we need a king like these other guys, right? So-and-so got a Corvette, I need a Corvette, all right? I must want a Corvette subconsciously. I've mentioned that twice. So they've convinced themselves that they need a king, and they're persistent, and so God gives them their king. I like to put quotes around that, their king. Uh, and so Samuel's like, so now you have your king. You got what you asked for. And they're like, oh, yeah, sweet, that's great. And Samuel's like, no, 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 uh, no, it's not great. Look at verses 17 and 18 again. This is what it says. Uh, and this might be confusing, but I'm going to explain it, okay? Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and you shall know and see that your wickedness is great which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. So uh, Samuel's like, you think that you succeeded because you got what you asked for. Right? You've asked for a king. You, for some reason you thought, this is what we need. We need somebody, this human who, I know we mess up all the time, but if we get the right human, he will lead us and be perfect in every way, and then it, all of our troubles will go away and everything will be fantastic. They've convinced themselves of that. So Samuel's like, you think uh, that you succeeded because you got what you asked for, but let me tell you what you've really done. And so he asked God, he asks God to send this heavy rain, Right? You might be thinking, why is he talking about harvest season? He, he asked God to send this heavy rain during a season where there's very little to no rain. Right? Not to mention uh, uh, just a rain that, that comes at the call of a person to, to the Lord God. To say, just send some rain that will scare these people into knowing that what I'm saying is true. 
okay? So, so that they, they will pay attention, and he will have everyone's attention. And so Samuel tells them, uh, the Lord sends the rain, and they're like, okay, we've got, your, you've got our attention. We're listening, right? And Samuel tells them that their wickedness is great, right? He says, you think you needed a king, and that a king would solve all your problems, but what you've done is set aside the Lord as your king. And then in verse 19, immediately after Samuel tells them this, look at how the Israelites responded. Verse 19, and all the people said to Samuel, I like it says all the people, not you know, a couple people who got it. Everybody got it. The message was loud and clear. Okay? And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. They realize that this is serious. For we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. So in other words, you're totally right. You're totally right. That was a mistake. That was not a good thing to do. We were idiotic. We uh, messed up. We convinced ourselves that we needed this. When we, and what we were doing was just completely being blind to the fact that we were already being led by the creator of the world, the true king, the king of kings, God himself, who has set us aside as a people group. We're already being led by the best king we could ever ask for and ever have. We've failed. How, if we're being honest, how many of you this week have set out to do something, to learn something, and have failed at doing it? I'll raise my hand first. Right? Maybe you wanted to get a certain amount of work done at the office, and then Friday rolled around, 5 o'clock, and you're like, well, that didn't work, but it's the weekend. Right? How about uh, maybe you wanted to cook dinner for your wife and have a romantic evening, and then she's like, it's okay, you don't ever need to do that again. Please don't get out of the kitchen. You about burn the house down, right? You just failed at it. How many of you, uh, maybe, uh, maybe you, you're like, I'm going to be in the Word every single day of the week. And you started off strong on Monday, and then just a minute ago when we read Scripture, that was the, that was the next time that you had opened your Bible, Right? Listen, the reality is that we are a people flawed by sin, right? We are a people who are flawed by sin. We are a broken people living in a broken world, and we fail, okay? Point number one, thing that you need to hear is that we fail. Everybody say, I fail. I fail. I fail all the time. Um, I, I, there's a reason that this morning when I brushed my teeth that I stood like this so that I wouldn't get the toothbrush on my shirt because like even at brushing my teeth I fail, right? The littlest thing I can mess it up. Right? For believers in Christ, all right, if you're here and you've put your faith in Christ and you're living day to day following him, for believers as Christ, in Christ, we aren't held to the fail, to our failures, right? Because of his work on the cross. But the thing is we still fail. Right? Our sin has been washed away, but that, mean, that doesn't mean that we are perfect and never make a mistake. We constantly make a mistake. We are daily in need of the, cro- the work of Jesus on the cross. There's so much about ourselves that we want to be true, that, that I want to be a loyal person, I want to be wise, I want to be um, uh, a good parent. But I think that the one thing that we can all rest assured is always true about us is that we fail. Does that make sense? Like, if there's one thing that we can say is, I know I'm going to mess up at some point this week. Not in the sense that failure is the only thing that we do, but 
but, w- the, the, but the while we are still flawed, we have failure in our lives. And so in this passage, what we see Israel do is ask for Samuel to pray for them for their sin and for their failure. And he goes on to reassure them and instruct them that, that uh, and he goes on to reassure them that he's going to pray for them, that he's not going to leave. He will be there with them. He will continue to instruct them. He's like, okay, uh, I hear you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going anywhere. And so uh, what we're going to look at, in, we're going to look at that in just a second, but uh, look at what Samuel says to them in verse 24 really quickly. Verse 24, it says, and I love this, it's just kind of summarizing the whole passage. It says, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. Not just because I said so, serve him faithfully, but, but consider the great things that he's done for you. Consider what great things he has done for you. This isn't the first time that the Israelites have failed. Right? This isn't the first time that they haven't been faithful to God. Nowhere close to the first time. And Samuel says, remember all the great things he's already done for you. Remember all the other times where you've been in need and he's come uh, to your rescue? Remember all the other times when you haven't been faithful, but he has been faithful? That's because God is faithful. Right? God is faithful. These are a couple verses. They're not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to rattle through them really quickly. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And then 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, if we are faithless, completely without faith, completely turned our back and completely betraying. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I love that it says that. He cannot deny himself, meaning that faithful doesn't just describe God's action towards us, right? The things that he does, it describes his character. It cannot deny himself. We see a similar truth uh, in First uh, Samuel verse 22 from this passage. And Samuel says he's not going to forsake his people uh, because of for his great name's sake. Basically meaning that God can't betray his character. Faithful doesn't describe the things he does. Faithful describes him. God is faithful. And what we see in this passage is that even though Israel had failed and become unfaithful to God, he had not become unfaithful to them. God is faithful in our failures. There's a couple things I just want to point out. This is number one, that God is faithful in our failures. When I froze up in the middle of the pool, when I was like uh, drowning cat status, status, and I looked like I was literally like someone needs to jump in and, and grab this child before he dies, right? Uh, when I was froze up in the middle of the pool, in the middle of my race, uh, it fe- I felt like a complete failure, utter failure. I want to retire from the sport of competitive uh, swimming, again, sounding l- legit. Um, uh, I want to retire from the sport. I, w- I want to hide and go live in the desert so that nobody remembers this moment here and now. Anybody felt like that? Ever had a moment in your life where it's like, I would like for no one to remember that this ever happened? You guys are lying. Nobody raise your hand. Ooh, ooh. (laughs) 
But I got out of the pool, right, as I was swimming to get out of the pool, walking on the, on the ground, thinking, okay, I'm not dying, but I wish I was because I'm humiliated. I'm completely frustrated and just uh, sick of myself for allowing this to happen. I get out of the pool to the sound of cheers, right? To the sound of cheers. And I'm like, what is going on? Not because I had done something good, but because my teammates, the people around me, my parents, people who were watching, cared more about me than, than about my success or about my failure. Right? Hear me say that. God cares much more about you than he does about your success or your failure. His faithfulness is greater than any unfaithfulness that we can display. Take a look at, verse, at that verse that we talked about just a second ago, uh, 2 Timothy 2.13, where it says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I hope that, ho- I hope that verse hits home for you guys. Because it's one thing to fail, right? Brushing teeth, you stub your toe, which stubbing your toe might lead to other you know, stuff. Uh, you start saying stuff when you stub your toe. Uh, right? It's one thing to fail. It's a whole other thing to be just flat out unfaithful. But again, we need to focus in on the fact that God is faithful by definition and that he does not deny himself. Faithful is what God is despite of our shortcomings. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us in for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still unfaithful, while we were still failing, in our sin, he sent Jesus to die for us. God proved his faithfulness and his love by giving us Jesus. So first one is God is faithful in our failure. Second is this, God is faithful to our failure. Okay? God is faithful to our failures. Now, this one's not as fun, okay? Just a warning label. Uh, Throughout Scripture, God proves his faithfulness to his people, right? But he also, time and time again, lets his people live with the consequences of their unfaithfulness, of their failures, right? When Israel asked for a king and then realized that they had just proved their faithlessness to God, he didn't immediately say, okay, uh, you realize that you did something wrong, uh, now let's undo it. Right, let's, let me fix it for you. Right? Parents, you, you might know other parents who kind of, that's how they, they, uh, they parent their children. Oh, something's, you've done something wrong, let me fix it. It doesn't usually work out for the kid. They expect someone to do that for the rest of their life. And so that's not what God's doing. He's not saying, you realize your mistake, let's undo it. Israel gets their king. Right? They get what they ask for. And it doesn't turn out to be the answer to their problems like they thought it would. Uh, and they suffered for it. It caused a lot of problems. But this is the point. It led them back to, to the Lord. Right? Their faith was restored, even if just for a moment. Their faith was restored. This passage, this passage shows us one of the scariest ways that God teaches us, which is by giving us what we ask for. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how to ask for the right things from God. But, but sometimes, we don't ask for the right things. And, and in our lives, we aren't in pursuit of the right things. 
And one of the scariest ways that God teaches us is he says, okay, if that's what you want, if that's what you're asking for, I'll give it to you. So that we will see through failure that people, places, things, food, money, whatever it is, does not fulfill you. Right? Nothing can take the place of God. Like we try, that's us trying to fill a God-sized hole with human-sized things that just doesn't work. The word for that's idolatry. God sometimes gives us what we ask for so that we will see through the failure of that thing that nothing stands in the place of God. Nothing other than God will ever bring us fulfillment. And in that way, God shows his faithfulness to our failures. That he teaches us, to, like he's faithful to the decisions that we've made. With the goal of, of those things bringing us back into his loving arms. Okay, and then lastly... God is faithful through our failure. Right? God is faithful through our failures. Through our failure, through our faithlessness, God not only reveals His faithfulness and draws us back to Him, but He also shows His sovereignty, His power, His grace, and that He works through our failures to better us and to fulfill His will. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, But He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect, perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Our weaknesses allow God to show His strength. Our failures allow Him to show His success. Our unfaithfulness allows God to show His faithfulness. Another one uh, that, that might be a little less known is Genesis 50, 20. The first part of that verse says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Anybody remember who said that? Joseph, right. Joseph said that to his brothers, the brothers who had sold him into slavery years before that, because he was annoying to them. Right? Anybody have a brother in here? You might, you might fight, but I don't know if you fight that much. You might be thinking, I don't know, if I had... If I could do it, I might do it. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God's faithful through our failures. Not just ours, but the failures of others. Israel asked for a king to lead them, forgetting that they were already being led by the king of kings. And so God gives them what they asked for. And there are consequences. But he also works through that failure to establish David as king. And maybe even more importantly, to establish the lineage of David through which we get Jesus. Look, at, look back at 1 Samuel twelve twenty. It says, and Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. That's comforting. Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Okay, it's confusing. Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn aside. Samuel's urging the Israelites in their failure to return to their faith in God. And when we fall, what do we do? We give up, right? No. Anybody, anybody ever said that if you've been a coach or if you've had a coach? You've heard that if you fall, you get back up, right? 
when we fall, we don't give up, we, give, we get back up. So I think that we need to allow our failure to, to point us back to God, right? Allow our faithlessness to, to remind us of the faithful one, right? So we need to, you need to let your failure fuel your faithless, faithfulness. Let your failure fuel your faithfulness. Because throughout Scripture, God uses the failures of man, the unfaithfulness of mankind, to show His grace and to lead people to faithfulness in Him. Literally, since the fall of man in Genesis 3, right? You read in the Bible, we make it three chapters before we mess up, right? Literally, since the fall of man in Genesis 3, God has used our failure to prove His faithfulness. John 3, 16 and 17 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We all know that one. This next one we forget. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We are not defined by our failures. We should be defined by God's faithfulness. We were created for a relationship with him. Y'all know that? We were created to have a relationship with God, to live in relationship with God. But because He is completely holy and completely just, the sin that entered the world with Adam has broken the relationship. It has separated us from Him. He's holy and just. And so He cannot be in the presence of something that is covered in sin. He would be fine. We would be burnt to a crisp. Right? He is holy and just, but he is, compl- he is also completely loving and completely faithful. And so he sent his son to live a perfect life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice that cleanses us of that sin, that separates us from, from uh, God. And now, even in our failure, while we were still sinners, we aren't condemned but saved by the work of Jesus on the cross. And all we need to do is repent and believe. All we need to do is turn from the way that we've lived our life and run into the loving arms of the Father. You are not defined by failure. I want you to listen to that. Listen to me when I say that. Wherever you are in this room, whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, whatever fears you have, whatever doubts, you are not defined by your failures. It doesn't matter where you are, what you've done, what you're going through. God wants a relationship with you. It's why he created you. He wants more for you. I heard a pastor say it like this. If you aren't dead, God is not done. Right? You will never know your full potential without the God who created you for it. It doesn't matter where you are this morning. If you're a believer or if you aren't, we all fail But we need to remember that God is faithful and let that drive us to his loving arms. Here's how I want us to end our time together this morning. Our band's going to come up in just a second as we pray. um, And we're going to sing one of my favorite songs. It's called From the Inside Out. Um, And as we sing this song, uh, I just want you always to know we've got the space. We didn't build this building, but God, God has allowed us to use it. And there's all this space perfect size for an altar, right? For you to respond if you need to spend time in prayer. 
if you want to stay seated where you are and just spend time talking to God, um, I'm going to be down front singing. Donnie's down here, down front here singing. If you need to come grab one of us and just talk to us or you just want us to pray for you, if you want to grab somebody that maybe you've come here with or a parent or a close friend and just say, hey, there's this thing that I'm struggling with. Will you just pray for me and help me to, or just pray and ask God that he would help me return to his loving arms, that, that he would work in your failure, through your failure to bring you back to him. All right, but before we do any of that, I want to read you some of the lyrics of this song that we're about to sing, right? Because it's easy to sing and not think because we're thinking about how well we're singing and how bad so-and-so's singing beside you, right? But I want to read you these lyrics, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to cry out to the Lord, all right? Check out what this says. It's perfect for what we've talked about this morning. It says, a thousand times I've failed. Still your mercy remains. And should I stumble again, still I'm caught in your grace. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond all fame. And the cry of my heart is to bring you praise from the inside out. Lord, my soul cries out. Let me pray for us and then let's just cry out in response to him, all right? Love you guys. Thanks for letting me speak to you. I've had a blast. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for being a loving, faithful God. That no matter how far or how fast we run from you, you're two steps ahead of us. I love the fact that, that you are defined as faithful, that you are defined as holy, that you are defined as just and loving and gracious. And I pray for everyone in this room that you would meet them exactly where they are in the bad job that's driving them crazy, in the relationship where they feel like there's no hope, in the addiction that just seems like it just has them enslaved. I pray that you would meet them where they are and show them that if they're not dead, you're not done. You want more for them. And their potential is going to be found nowhere but with you. I just pray that this morning that you would draw people closer to yourself as only the Holy Spirit can do. That we would return to your loving arms and that even if we failed this morning, even if we failed since this service has started, that we would realize that you are faithful in our failures and that you use those to show your strength, to show your power, to show your love. You have blessed us in ways we cannot even imagine and for things that we will never deserve. Father God, just use this time right now. Let the Spirit enter this room and draw people to yourselves. And let us just worship you and lift up our voices with praise and glory to you, our Father, our King of kings, the only one that we want to lead us as a people. We love you and it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.